One of our past show guests, Candace Carnahan, is a very inspirational, motivational speaker who has an amazing journey and story. And she most recently launched a brand new foundation called the Less Is More Foundation. And if you want to learn more about the great things that Candace is involved in and the Less Is More Foundation is involved in, visit lessismorefoundation.com and make sure to inquire about or check out the details on their upcoming event in Prince Edward Island later this month in July. Today's episode has been brought to you by the International Business Trade Show in Halifax, Nova Scotia, which takes place on April 10, 2016. You can find out more at ibtradeshow.com. And Ron Hodgson, the car dealership in St. Albert, in Alberta, at ronhodgson.com. Simplycast.com, they are a great resource for your online marketing and communication needs. Andrews Hockey Growth. Andrews is the school that has trained the likes of Sidney Crosby and Brad Richards, and you can find them at andrewshockey.ca. And finally, Fort Edmonton Park, which you can find at fortedmontonpark.ca. And Fort Edmonton Park is regularly recreating historical Edmonton on a daily basis. Hi everyone, this is Shelly, aka The Phoenix. Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. Hello everybody, it is Corey Poirier back with the Conversations with Passion radio show. Excited to have with me uh, someone we've interviewed in the past, but a first-time guest on the radio show. So, musical comedian Jimmy Flynn, I would love to bring you on to the show and perhaps start by getting you to introduce yourself uh, for some of our listeners who may be uh, hearing you for the first time, although I know most of them would have heard of you before. But just if you can give us maybe a, a bit of a Reader's Digest version of your background. Hi, Corey. How are you? I'm yes, sir. I'm Jimmy Flynn from the Jimmy Flynn Show. I've been an entertainer for between 40 and 50 years and traveled all over North America and uh, have 15 albums out and two videos out and did many television shows and radio shows and in my career. And uh, I'm a high-energy musical comedy act from the East Coast that, uh, well, my type of comedy is universally because I tell jokes. I'm a, sto- you know, I'm a storyteller, so people can actually take my jokes and take them home with them and tell them to their friends. And that's what's magic about it. But uh, people love coming to my show, and they love, and, you know, I, I'm a singer, I'm a guitar player, and it's uh, it's a lot of audience participation. And there's not many places you can go into a concert and laugh for two solid hours. So it's pretty special the gift that God's gave me, and I, I share it with as many people as I can. Well, Jimmy, something that I think is really cool. I guess it's kind of neat, and it relates to your background, but. Something that when I've talked to people and, and mentioned that where you were born, I've actually had people argue with me <laughs> and say you were you were born in in uh, Newfoundland. So, yeah. um, can you tell us a, a bit about that part of your background? Where were you born? Because I think a lot of people might associate your act and think that you might be from Newfoundland or might have been born in Newfoundland. But I know uh, your background is a little bit different than that, but it's still my connected. background is, yeah, is Newfoundland. My my people go back to Newfoundland back to eighteen twenty four, I believe. 
and um, they came over from Ireland. I went to Ireland two years ago to find out where my people came from, and they actually came from a place called Cork in Ireland. And uh, my hometown was Marystown, Newfoundland, while Petty Ford actually was a little place up the coast from uh, from Marystown. And I, well, we left there when I was, I think, four years old, and we moved to Cape Breton. So a lot of people think I'm from Cape Breton, and a lot of people think I'm a Newfoundlander, and a lot of people are very serious about where you come from, right? I never thought, you know, all my life, but when I went out west to become a, uh, when I worked out there because of my accent and stuff, they all call you Newf, call you Newf, hi Newf, hi Newf, you know, so that kind of stuck, right? So the character with the Southwestern, the whole nine yards, my father was a fisherman, his father was a fisherman, and I come from a long line of fishermen, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's probably where the you know, mis- misconception comes from, right? Because I was born in Newfoundland and brought up in Cape Breton, so I had, uh, I had the worst of both worlds, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I was going to say the best of both worlds, but, but yeah, it, I guess it's it's, uh, it's a bit of both, right? <laughs> it's a bit of both, yeah. And, and and having the two cultures, I think my father was a a fast-talking, double-talking Newfoundlander and a great storyteller, right? And he had a great imagination. Like, we'd be driving to work. I was a carpenter apprentice with him when I was young. And, you know, there'd be an accident on the highway and two people had been killed or something. But, but by the time we got to the job site, there were three or four buses hit head on. There were 24 people dead. <laughs> and I just looked at my father and I said, Dad, that's not what happened at all. And he said, Son, there'd be no sense freaking up a good story with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so I guess you could say that's a big part of where you got the, uh, the sense of humor from. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that too, and, and you know, hanging around with with characters like my dad. Like I remember one time I was working at a job in Sydney at the Sydney Academy, and it was a guy there, and he had been spent a lot of time in prison working. You know, he's a laborer, and I was eating my dinner, and he was laying these jokes on me, and I I couldn't eat. I was laughing that hard, right? <laughs> so then I started playing in rock and roll bands when I was sixteen, fifteen, and sixteen. We had a band called the Morticians, and uh, people were dying to see us. <laughs> 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 we had the whole gig. We had, we had the hearse. We had the tuxedos. We had all the green lights on stage. And actually, we had a, a battle of the bands one time in Sydney, and we came second. Uh, Burger and the Bits beat us out. Uh, but yeah, the, and the, I don't know how I ended up singing rock and roll. So then, when I went to Vancouver, I went, the guy who went with me, he uh, we drove right to Vancouver, and uh, in '79, and '69 uh, rather. And uh, he was a great guitar player, so I taught him how to drive a motorcycle, and he taught me how to play guitar. And that's how it all started. And then we spent five years in Vancouver, and I worked at a job out there. And then uh, it's funny, here's a great thing for people. You know, I worked at this company for five years, and when, this is when some, some, something bad happens, you become something good. So at my job where I was, I was always telling jokes and stories, and it was a very depressing place to work because it was a lead foundry type of place. So after five years of being there, I was supposed to get three weeks vacation. So this new boss came in from Texas. He put a cutoff date of June the 30th. So he told me I had to work a whole extra year because of a day, right? So it broke my heart. So I called up my wife, and my wife said, Jim, just tell me you're quitting. That's, I, that's all I think of you. Get out of there, right? So anyway, I told the boss to make up my paycheck, and he said, Jimmy, you don't want to do that, blah, 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 the whole nine yards. And I said, that's it. But I never forget walking out of that plant. And I looked back, and all the guys were looking off behind the machines. And I felt the wings grow out of my back. I didn't know where I was going, but I know I wasn't going back there no more. I didn't belong there, right? So then they wouldn't give me unemployment because I quit, and I went before a board, and I told them what they did, and they gave me my unemployment. 
And then I got a job working down in the, on the, on, behind the Bayshore Inn, working on boat houses, and got my crab trap over the side, and I'm out in the sunshine, and life is really good. And then uh, I, uh, somebody told mm-hmm. me at the party, one of the little old ladies said, you're awful talented. She said, why don't you go and make a living like this, right? So anyway, long story short, I went down there, and they did an interview in a place called the Medieval Inn in Vancouver, and they hired me. And uh, when I got my first album out, I went back to that job where Buddy was, and I told him, this guy, that he was the biggest so-and-so I ever met in my life, and I want to thank you for being like that, because here's my first album, and if it wasn't for you being like you are, I wouldn't be doing this today. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, I'm curious, what was the response? He, he was, you know, well, people are, are kind of, well, I should say shitheads, right? You know, <laughs> they know they're like that, right? And yeah. they don't really care what you say to them type of thing. Anyway, he invited me in for a drink in the whole nine yards, and I never got, I worked there five years, and nobody ever invited me for a drink, so I had to call him a shithead before I got in there. <laughs> awesome. What a great story, and, and I, I didn't know about the mortician, so that, I learned something new every time every time we chat, so that, that's awesome. So Yeah, I guess, it was incredible. It was, uh, we, it, the band was really good, and back in those days, you're t- I'm talking about 1967, 66 now, even in those days, you know, we we would would rent a hall as a band and and put a you know a dollar cover charge or a fifty cent cover charge, and way back then, you know, we were making twenty five dollars a piece a night, you know. That was a big money then. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, because I remember working on the milk truck when I was a boy. I was getting two dollars a day, <laughs> and that would buy me a pop and uh, some cigarettes and take my girlfriend to the dance. <laughs> Wow! Hey, you can't you get the cork for the bottle for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys were were rolling in it at the time. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's amazing. So then, I guess Jimmy, as far as the you know the, the I'm going to say maybe the evolution from there till today, in terms of you mentioned you know 40 to 50 years in the entertainment business, and there's a lot of people that don't last 40 to 50 minutes. So you know, can you tell us? What if you, what do you attribute that long-term success to? Because you've had different, uh, I, I'm going to say, evolutions in that. I mean, I know you you were in Finnegan. You you, you just mentioned you're in the Mortician. So what do you, I guess, attribute that long-term sustainability to? Well, I think everybody you meet and everybody, every you know, every joke you tell or every song you learn molds you into something different, right? And my my character, my you know, I can, put, I can touch my bottom lip and my nose, right? It's called gurning type of thing. So it, it makes, you know, children love it. I, I can walk to a store and make that face at a child that's in a, you know, a, a little uh, uh, carriage or something. And that child will not take their eyes off me until I leave the store. <laughs> I don't know why, but I guess timing is something. Uh, great comedians have uh, have had, you know, attributed to the success of timing, like Milton Berle and Bob Hope, and they all had perfect timing, right? So I can tell the same joke a thousand times, and you'll laugh every time. And I don't know what causes that, but people have told me they've come and seen my show 32 times and laughed just as hard the 32nd time as they did the first time. And my wife, we've been married for 47 years, she's been coming to my she must have seen 10,000 shows. And when you come to my show, the one who's laughing the most is her. Wow. You know, and uh, I, I've never really, 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 really questioned it. But, I mean, you, 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 you're, uh, the evolution through the whole thing and, and doing different shows and 
uh, it's funny about meeting people. I would, I wasn't supposed to be at a show in Toronto for a fundraiser, right, at the Royal York Theatre six years ago, or Royal York Hotel. And a man by the name of Chris Badbury was there, and he's the vice president of Meta, uh, Meta, Metapack International, right, the insurance company. So I did the show, and everybody was pretty well lit up. You know, it was a $500 plate dinner, free liquor, and all that type of thing. So everybody was, you know, feeling pretty good. But I went up, and I did my show, and I got them. And he came over, and he said, that was incredible. He said, I do these shows called the Canadian Snowbird Association Tours in the States, you know, and we would like to have you there. So that was six years ago. So here it is six years later. I'm still doing them. You know, so they, he took me to a place in the state, Florida, Texas, Arizona, California, Las Vegas, uh, Yuma, all those places down there. And I'm planning to thousands and thousands and thousands of senior citizens, right? And uh, the laughter, the building's shaking right, when I'm going to go there. So it uh, people change you. Like that man changed me when he, you know, he, he slighted me on my job site. This man changed me when he took me on a, you know, snow, Snowbird Association tour. And uh, it's people to me too. You know, like I, I opened for Johnny Cash. I did Cheech and Chong's last tour. I played with the Everly Brothers, uh, Tommy James and the Shondells, and uh, Ron Hines and uh, Rita McNeil. I, I shared the stage with all these people over my career. So, and, and every time you meet somebody, you know something else happens, right? And, and I'm, I'm, writing, I'm, I'm still writing songs, and I want to do a, a, a nice album of songs that I've written in the next couple of years. And, and something, sometimes other things change your life. When I was in Cape Breton, well, several years ago, more, I went to the Alexander Graham Bell Museum. And when people are busy, they're the people you want to be around, right? And when you see what he did with his life, and it's a big sign above the door when you go in there, so much to do, so little time. And I guess, you know, as we talked before about time, you can't beat yourself up because you can't get everything done in one day. But if you get some good people around you, I mean, I'm, and I've, I've been lucky in some ways. I've had some good people around me, but I've had more bad people around me than good people, right? Because what people say and what they do is two different things. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me, I mean, that's a great uh, point to bring this up, but I remember you telling me you had uh, an experience with uh, a manager or a partner that didn't work out so well. And I think that, you know, led to you, uh, eventually your wife coming on the road with you and, and helping manage it because you knew, you know, she would be the one person that would care the most. Well, absolutely. You have to have people around you that love you, right, and care about you and, and want the best for you, right? And uh, I remember one time I was in Toronto, and this guy came to me, and he, he was he, – <laughs> I kind of scared him, I guess, but when when, when he gets slighted three or four times and you're a busy person – and you have to get things done. You can't have somebody around you wasting your time. And if, if, if you're going to tell them what to do, it's not much sense having it around you. You may as well do it yourself. So he said to me, I want to take care of Ontario for you and book this and book that and book this. And I said, well, that's fine and dandy. But if you don't, there's going to be very serious repercussions, right? <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? Well, Sal, I'll put a 44 Magnum on the table, and you could tell me, do me away, because I didn't do what I did. I said, I'm not being mean, and I'm not being saucy. I'm just telling you that I haven't got the time for you to say, you know, do nothing if you say you're going to do this type of thing, right? And uh, it's been very hard that way. And a lot of entertainers I know have had managers over the years that, you know, that's ruined their careers because of that, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, you had ultimately you had to decide what was best for your career. 
Well, I had to become a, a businessman, Gory, is what it is. You, have, you know, you have to learn how the business works and hold on yards. I met a young girl coming back on on the plane from, from Toronto several years ago, and she was just starting in the music business, and she wanted this guy to manage her. And she just graduated now. This is how it works. She just graduated with a degree in business from St. Evette University. So she's telling me that she's going to hire this manager. And I said, well, what is he going to do for you? And she said, well, I don't know. I said, you don't know? Well, I, she said, I, I said to her, I said, well, well, if I was you, I would sign a contract with him for six months and put shotgun clauses in along the way. If he doesn't do this, he's gone. If he doesn't do that, he's gone. He doesn't do this, he's gone. He doesn't do that, he's gone. And her answer to me was, can I do that? <laughs> and I said, well, it's your life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she went on to win an East Coast Music Award next year. She didn't sign with him, and she did it on her own. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, sometimes you don't even know when these things can have an invisible impact. You know, maybe that conversation she had with you yep. was, was the difference maker. It sounds like it probably was. So that's so cool. I mean, you get to, and that's the other thing, too. Um, you and I have talked about this, but being on the road and, and being able to meet the people you do and putting on the shows you do, you get to hear about and, and see the impact that you're able to have by reaching that many people. Oh, absolutely. And when people laugh at my shows that hard, I remember one time I was in Hamilton, and here's the high points in your life. A guy came to my show, and he had a heart plant, transplant and a double lung transplant. And he was one of the only people in the world who survived that. But when he got his new lungs, he didn't know how to laugh. That reflex reaction. And he bought some of my CDs, and he made him, I made him laugh. And he came to my show that night, and I, I brought him up the stage, and, and he told the people what happened, the whole nine yards. And uh, another fella came here from England. And he told me he was dying with cancer and was going back to England to die. So I gave him every CD I had. I said, laughter is the most healing thing we've got. So I hadn't heard from him for five years. And I, uh, Several months ago, I got an email from him. He said, not only did you save my life, <laughs> but I know every breath, every word on those CDs he gave me. And he said, that brought me to my darkest times. So they're the things that you know really touch your heart and know you're doing the right thing, right? Well, there you have it, our interview with Jimmy Flynn. And remember, you can get more information about Jimmy at jimmyflynn.com. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show. Go to ibtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership, go to in-gaged.ca. Permadry, guaranteed solutions for leaky basements, go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes, your site for great service, sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning, never stop learning, go to oxfordlearning.com. Smile Dog, your receptionist, go to smiledog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion.